What's up, Fan Bros? This is your boy, DJ Benjamin, and on this episode of Fan Bros Show, we welcome Lance Finsterman of Reed Pop to the spaceship. Benjamin gives his take on the New Daily Show. And Dr. Ben Carson makes his second appearance on This Week in the N-Word. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. Internets to another episode of Fan Bros. The show where the bros are fans or something to that extent. It's your boy DJ Benjamin, aka Lucius Lionel, aka Wakanda's favorite DJ, aka the Kevin Bacon of the internet, and of course, Quantum Leech. In the spaceship tonight on the voice of the urban geek. And as always, I am joined by Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ahura of the spaceship, the Black Russian, the Black Rogue. What else? I'm losing everything. Lambo Calrissian. Lambo Calrissian and Flex Luthor. There you go. There you go. And joining us as well, Chico Leo, uh, officially now uh, grown in the Afro Cheeks. Ready for Comic-Con. And two cheeks. And two cheeks. Well, I always have the two cheeks. Yes, that's right. Big shout out to Art. I'm not even going to you know, figure out where you were going with Pause. that. Yeah, big shout out to uh, Patty LaHell for yes. joining us last week. And, and, and you know, and, naming you. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, most definitely. Giving you the new name. It's a new episode of Fan Bros Show. I hope everyone is doing great out there. Hold up. Yeah, this is our last episode. Ever? No, Ever. <laughs> nah. Nah. But this is the last episode before we kick off New York Super Week. And yeah. it's such a effing lituation that, boy, I mean, it's going down. Did you say lituation? I said lituation like it's still 2014, boy. <laughs> That's right. For Super Week, if you don't know by now, you must crawl out from under that rock you've been living in because the Fan Bro Show is going down. Boy, first up, October 5th, Attack of the Con, Star Wars versus Star Trek. I mean, this this is so historic, boy. Where else are you going to see this? Gene Gray, Pete Rock, Quelle Chris, Pharaoh Monch debating Star Wars versus Star Trek with the Fan Bro Show. Not to mention the people who have already confirmed that they're showing up, and they might cause some trouble, too. Oh, man. In, in the best way possible. But. Oh, man. Yeah, big shout-out to Hey Asante from uh, last week who tried to really, you know, call out Star Wars, too. And, you know, I, I, lo- I love the comments. I love the comments that we get on our show yes. because the commenters were in there just like, yeah, you know, I'm just sitting back and listening to this like, yeah, but The Force Awakens o- opens in a few months. You know, it's like, you know, that's all I got to say. But, yeah, Star Wars versus Star Trek, it is going down, boy, popping. Then October 6th, we have the Black Girl Nerds versus Fan Bros live podcast slash meetup slash what black meetup slash people of color meetup slash the world of the urban LGBTQ meetup. Like, like it's everything. Everything. It's everything. But it is our live podcast where we are definitely honoring the work of some of our favorite uh, celebrities, some of our favorite artists, some of our favorite writers. Like, everything is the works. I mean, 
Yes, yes. Big shout out to Black Girl Nerds for joining up with us. It's the Wonder Twins, Fan Bros Show, and Black Girl Nerds together again for the first time. It's going down. And finally, we have the Crossplay Cosplay Contest on October 7th at Latitude, and that'll be from 8 to 9.30, uh, 21 and over. Oh, yeah, because it's a party. It's going to yeah. be a straight-up event. I'll be on the turntables. Big shout-out to the homie DJ Mars. They'll be on the turntables. Uh, I think we got live video game installations. Yes, yo, big ups to Namco, yo. Big ups to Namco, bringing that Naruto up in there. Big out shouts to Hercules Sound, Serato DJs, and, of course, Costume Supercenter, who is providing... Yes. The hunt can I say how much? Say it, yo. Nah, I ain't even gonna say it. But it's, it's, say it's it? a lot of money for, <laughs> for these prizes that we are giving away. So we need all the cosplayers in there. Plus we need all the people who aren't in costume. Yeah. This is a straight up party. We yeah. want everybody there. We're kicking off New York Comic Con with this one. Yes. It's Co- super week. Costume not needed because uh, Costume Supercenter is actually supplying some stuff, right? That's right. That one of our um contests will be a make your own costume. So even if you don't have a costume, come through, use your imagination, make your costume, maybe you win some money. Yeah. If you don't know what crossplay means, you don't know what cosplay means, don't even matter, yo. Show up. Nah. We drinking. But I just wanna know how did this intro just turn into a long commercial for all events <laughs> like that? Word up. But, you know, we got some other stuff to talk about. It is Fan Bros Show, and we already know you're coming to all these great events. You know you know who else might even show up? Your boy, Edward Snowden. Yo, he showed up big time today on Twitter. That's what I mean. He joined Twitter today, so that means, you know, he's definitely aware of the Fan Bros Show events. Yeah, he hasn't started following us back yet on Twitter. I, I noticed that. That's no, a damn shame. No. Yep. But he is following one specific uh, oh, yeah. group. Who is that? The NSA. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the, I mean, that, well played, Edward. Well played. He is risk it all king because he was like, you know what? I'm a troll. The first thing he does is troll and follow his former employer. Wow. That is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Now, Edward Snowden, you know, is still um, where? In Russia right now? I don't know where the hell this man is. And that's <laughs> I, think, the point. I think he's still in Russia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chilling with Tupac. Right. Well, he told you he's in Russia. He might be somewhere else. Uh, if I was him, I would be. So. But yeah, he decided to join Twitter today. That's 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 a bit news for Twitter and you know just for the world in general. Yeah, he's a little over half a million followers right now, Jeez. and like it happened like four hours. Yeah, well, salute to you, Edward Snowden, for joining the, I mean, the digital world. I guess you're already such a big part of the digital world for real. But and yeah. and, and he's besties with Neil deGrasse Tyson apparently because Aww. like they were just going back and forth like, oh hi hi. Oh, isn't that cute? I wonder was he going back and forth with Ben Carson though. <sighs> you know, I'm be- leaving. <laughs> You know, I was saying this on Twitter today. You know, there's so many candidates always, but it's like we're going to start having a Hall of Fame for this segment because certain people just seem to get in there every week. And you know what that segment is. This week in the N-Word. That's right. And once again, Matt Damon, he tried to make a little, you know, he was like, yo, let me get back in there. I need that Summer Jam screen. Said some ridiculous stuff. Again? Yeah, it was. It wasn't that ridiculous. It was uh, Matt Damon was talking about how his, um, when he first started in the industry, people were calling him gay because him and Ben Affleck were working together. And so he was like, yo, you know, maybe actors need some mystery about themselves. And people took it as him saying that, you know, actors shouldn't come out of the closet and stuff like that. While he was just mm. saying, you know, maybe there just needs to be some mystery. But, you know, after Matt Damon's recent statements, it's like Matt Damon. It's like you can't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore. No, nah, I mean, he had to go on Ellen and apologize for it. So, he, yeah, he already went on Ellen, you know, and Ellen gave him the... 
I know you, Matt Damon. You're not that guy, you know. So now, so when is okay. he gonna come on Fan Bros and apologize for you? Oh, apologize oh, to me. Yeah. Oh, oh, exactly. Oh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> not anytime soon, probably. And neither is Ben Carson because Tatiana once again seems like this boy's earned the top spot. I'm tired of this man. Seriously. All right. Well, let him let him know what happened. So he was at some NASCAR event, and he basically told the folks at NASCAR. Uh, he was actually over there with Richard Petty, which is a NASCAR legend. He was saying it's okay to fly the Confederate flag. And once again, I'm paraphrasing because I really don't even want to say what this man said. But he said, for example, quote, unquote, swastikas are a symbol of hate for some people, too, yet they still exist in museums. If a majority of the people in that area want the Confederate flag to fly, then I certainly wouldn't take it down. Oh, God. But, you know, I think Bill Maher, who I've been really disagreeing with lately a lot. What? Yeah, he said it best on his show the other night, though, that Ben Carson sounds... Well, actually, a woman from CNN, I can't remember her name, said it. She said that he sounds... He rarely sounds like a presidential candidate, and he even le- more rarely sounds like a doctor. <laughs> you know? And it's just like... I, I gotta go with what Chico said. Maybe uh, Word up, yo, yeah. Yo, the homeboy's Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. yeah. Like, like there's, there's nothing... Like, how can you be so brilliant yet so mother... Crazy. I mean, dude believes that the world started 5,000 years ago. Uh, you know? Yeah. But you're a doctor, but you never heard of carbon dating. Right. Nah, F that. That's some scary shit right like, there. Exactly. And it's crazy, though, like you said, that he could be so brilliant. Right. And then yet so ugly. And, and he comes also- off like a nice guy. Like, if you met, like if you shared an elevator with him, I'm sure he would be very pleasant. So is Hannibal Lecter. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so he bites your ear you know, So is I'm, Wayne Brady, right? Right, yeah. right, right. Well... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got beef with Wayne? No, not Wayne Brady. Uh, I was about to say, what oh, Wayne oh, Brady yeah, I was do? Gonna do yeah. I was like, Wayne Brady's going to cut a bitch or anyway? some shit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am not trying to be violent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you didn't mean him. Okay. No, no, I was definitely like, not. He cool. Is it Wayne Grady who's the, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm messing this all up. I'm just butchering everything. Just leave everything. the names some, alone. Some serial killer? The cannibal killer? from back in the day, yeah, the serial oh, killer. Oh, like Ted, no, no, Ted, Ted Bundy Ted wasn't killer. a cannibal. No, no he was serial, serial killer. killer. All right, well, there we go. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Brady, Ted Bundy, you know, one and the same pretty much. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> the great one. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, NHL hockey, 97, for the N64. One of the best oh. mother effing. Yeah, that's hockey he, games he, ever. He's almost as cheap as Bo Jackson was on Tecmo Bowl. Yo, <laughs> I love it. Yo, hat tricks, hat tricks. <laughs> Bo Jackson on Tecmo Bowl was unstoppable. Boy. <laughs> forget about spin, it. Spin, spin, <laughs> spin. Sweep left, throw the ball to Bo. You are good money over and over. Every time, again. right? And you know, you are also good money, boy, because this is a huge episode of Fan Bros Show. We've got Lance. Finsterman of Reed Pop in the house tonight. Word. And we're going to take a quick break right here and get right to that. Bet. Hey, everybody. This is Asante. And when I'm not watching Basketball Wives LA, I'm listening to Fan Bros. Hey, Fan Bros. Thank you for tuning in to this amazing episode of Fan Bros Show. We are promoting our big New York Super Week events that are coming up, coming down the pipeline. We are so excited 
So excited to the fact that we even got the head honcho of Repop himself. If you don't know, his name is Lance Fensterman. He is the senior global vice president, also known as the ringmaster of Repop. This is the guy that helps create New York Comic Con, um, New York Super Week, and New York Special Edition, amongst many, many, many other things. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Lance Fensterman. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Welcome to the spaceship. That was an impressive uh, introduction. I, I'm really <laughs> incredibly nervous that I, this interview will not live up to it. People will listen and be like, you know what? His title and introduction was awesome, and the guy sucked. <laughs> now, you got the booming voice, so I yeah. think you'll be good. They're going to be impressed by your voice right yeah. away. Good. At least uh, at least that will be impressive, even if my actual content and personality is not. That's fine. I can live with that. You know, it's like GameStar says. It's mostly the voice anyway. So, right, right, right. Anyway, we said that you're the senior global vice president, but you, can you please tell people. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, like, what do you exactly do with Pop? That's really good. Well, my biggest uh, and probably most important job is I'm in charge of making titles for everyone. So, uh, I, and I get paid by the letter. So I just thought, hell, I'm just going to string this out as long as I can. Uh, no, no, I, I, I founded Read Pop and created the brand and the team and everything else. And then uh, I'm in charge of uh, all of the stuff that we do around the world. And uh, in particular, I, I look at like you know, what else can we be doing? Like, what cool ideas? Where are there fandoms that we're not serving uh, either around the world or, you know, specific kind of tribes of fans? So uh, mm. I spend a lot of time on airplanes and I spend a lot of time with geeks that uh, speak a different language than me at this point. So, Where are the coolest geeks in the world? <laughs> well, come on. Like, right. is that, did you just give me a layup here? In New York. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Now, okay, the coolest geeks in the world in New York, but um, what's joking aside, really kind of cool is like no matter where I've gone, whether it's like Moscow, Mexico, Brazil, Europe, it doesn't matter. Like uh, there's this uh, there's this strain of DNA that runs common through geeks. Mm -hmm. And so like they all kind of look the same, talk the same, act the same, are willing to stand in lines the same, camp out for this stuff that they love the same, they're passionate the same. So it's like uh, it's I mean, not to be too uh, cheesy or anything, but like it gives you kind of hope for mankind when, when it's like, great, there's this, this network of, of of nerds all around the world that are driven by the same passions. That That's a cool thing. Yeah. When you said look the same, what do you mean? Well, I mean, like they have the same costumes and I mean mm. that not necessarily like cosplay. I mean it like they all you can just pick out one of our fans a mile away because of what they're wearing right whether right. it's like a t-shirt for whatever a comic book or it's a video game t-shirt or they are in fact dressed up like link or something from zelda but like yeah. they have like their their uniform you know and so wherever i go around the world like if i go to a show you know i'll be i'll be on the subway and i'll be like ah those are our people right there you know you can, <laughs> you can see them <laughs> yeah completely and um you know you mentioned that new york obviously obviously has the best geeks in the world geeks nerds whatever you want to call us but also the thing that i think one of the most special things about new york comic-con is i think for the last what two years now is the largest comic book and pop culture convention in the country is that true i think it is i mean yeah. I, you know, I don't measure them all but it's pretty big yeah <laughs> <laughs> From what you've been told. From what you've been told. <laughs> yes. And I mean, yes. We, we love telling people that we're bigger, the NYCC is bigger than uh, San Diego Comic-Con. 
you know, we don't we don't get into those contests, right? It's all <laughs> it's all about having fun, you know. Definitely. Well, speaking of that, how does it feel to reach the tenth year of New York Comic Con? Oh, it feels exhausting. That's <laughs> what it feels like. <laughs> I think like every con ages you for a few years. Mm. So uh, I, I feel like I'm like 68 right now in con years, which is it's not good. The body's breaking down. <laughs> man. Um, you gotta get you some sensu no, beads, man. It's pretty crazy because. <laughs> That's exactly right. In some <laughs> Dr. Scholl's, I think. Um, it's, it's it's weird because like 10 years ago, we, we gave this a whirl and, and we had no idea what we were doing. And, and we proved that when, you know, the first show opened and, you know, way more people showed up than we thought. And, you know, people that bought tickets couldn't get in and people that didn't buy tickets did get in. I mean, it was not it was not a triumph by any stretch. And it's kind of cool now to see 10 years later. We have we have uh, this year we'll run 29 shows in. 10 countries around the world and we'll have over a million fans will attend a read pop event and man 10 years ago we were just trying to not get arrested so it's been a really pretty neat ride you know that sounds like fan bros we we always try not to get caught (laughs) that's exactly right always well we can provide each other alibis for tonight then at least perfect (laughs) (laughs) what what was the first comic convention you ever attended uh, at the Thunderbird Motel in Bloomington, <laughs> Minnesota. Right. Yeah, yeah, Bloomington, Minnesota. I grew up in the Twin Cities, and uh, the first show I ever went to, I was probably in fifth grade. In typical story, you know, mom and dad dropped me off and said, "We'll be back in whatever amount of time," you know. And I ran out of money before they came back, so uh, I remember it. It's not. It's and it's funny. This this hotel motel, it's still there. It's now like a Marriott. It's all been redone, but it, it was uh, it was called the Thunderbird, and in typical like. You know, kind of politically correct fashion. It had like a totem pole out front, like right. that was its marketing wow. theme. You know, like I mean, this was probably nineteen, oh man, nineteen eighty-five or eighty-seven, something like that. Yeah, mine, mine was right around then too. I was at the Skyline Motor Inn, right around, <laughs> right around eighty-five or eighty-six. These yeah. old ass names. Yeah. <laughs> Skyline and the Thunderbird. The, I mean, they yeah. sound like you know uh, casinos in Vegas. For real. <laughs> No, no, they were not. They were. I've, I've <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they did. They had probably more stains on the carpeting than they did in stars in their rating. You know what I mean? Wow, <laughs> that's deep. Uh, so uh, you say it's your tenth year, and I mean, obviously, you've been going to cons even longer than that. But what do you get excited for about New York Comic Con? Uh, it, again, I don't want to sound cheesy here, but like honestly, what gets exciting is is the fans. Like you know, when the doors open, or or I'll give you this, like. Every year for I think the last three years, uh, I show up at whatever, 6 a.m., uh, 5.30 a.m., and the same dudes for the last three years have been camped out at the front of the line. Um, <laughs> wow. Right? That's dedication. Maybe, yeah, maybe even longer. And like so every year we do this thing. It's usually Saturday morning because they're trying to get a wristband for a panel or whatever. And, you know, we do a picture together. And like. That's fun. Like I don't, I don't know those guys. I'm not really hanging out with them. But like that's family at that point. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you've been, you've been through it together. So like, just the different fans and the friends you've made that once were fans that now are friend, you know, friends and family, and just building something for people that really are passionate and care about it. Like that's mm-hmm. cool. I dig that a lot. Um, I dig that a lot. Um, but besides that, like I, I have fun just like everybody else. Like I know Lego's doing some huge stuff, and I. I'm a massive Lego geek, and I'm just as excited to see it get unveiled as anybody else, you know? Uh, and there's some great panels and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, we all have our little niches of geekdom that, that we get excited about, and I'm no different. 
Right. So do you ever like I, I would imagine I, I don't know at this point after 10 years, are you still like nervous or anxious about just the outcome or are you just like, yeah, this is smooth sailing. Everyone's no, showing no. up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Always nervous. We were just like this is what experience brings you. You know what to be nervous about at mm. least where like six years ago it was like shit. I'm just scared for the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, gotcha. I don't even, I, I'm not even smart enough to know what to be nervous about where at least we've been through it now. So it's like, all right, there's like three or four kind of things that it's like I'm a little concerned about how that's going to go and I guarantee you it's all about it's all about like uh, facilitating fun like it's the logistics of getting people in getting people out how are we going to queue for these panel rooms like right. you just want to not not ruin anybody's fun you know because that's what they're there to do and if we don't do it smoothly people aren't safe and they're not going to have fun so like that's what that's what we sweat about of just like you mentioned, we all have our own little niche things, and there's we have our own things that we're all each individually like excited to geek out about. In the last few uh, New York Comic Cons, what was your personal like favorite, more geekiest, you know, the thing that you geeked out the most about? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy because that means I don't have to remember any individual cons. Right? Hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all bleed um, into one. I know, I know. It's it's my standard answer is always whatever Lego is doing, just because that's where I spend sure, all of my, absolutely all my extra money goes to those guys. Um, but you know what? There was a couple of like big. Uh, there was a couple of uh, uh, um, like last year Clooney coming to New York Comic Con. Right. Like that was a big deal. And yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you, I still haven't seen Tomorrowland. Okay, but like me neither. It was, mm, us neither. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, have. Okay. Uh, oh, you have? Yeah. Stay away, right? Are you sorry? <laughs> uh, it's a movie. It came and went okay. rather quickly. <laughs> it did. And, like, that's not the point. Like, that was, like, kind of a big deal. Like, whoa. Oh, George yeah. Clooney just claimed it came to New York Comic Con. He like, might be the was... big, biggest movie star. Ab absolutely. Yeah, that was pretty sick. And that was one of those moments where it's like. Not after uh, tomorrow, Landy ain't. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh! Ooh! I, uh, I can't. Disney, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. with that I mean, you know, I still love, you know, George Clooney and everything Disney does. Let's not get it wrong, but, you know. Yeah it, yeah, it was not the greatest triumph, but uh, but that was like, whoa, we're grownups now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a big deal for real. That no, that is a super big deal. I mean, just for, I mean, you know, no, no matter how good Tomorrowland is or isn't, it's George Clooney. Like, that's still yeah. the yeah. man. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the new Late Show that started up, they could have had anyone as the first guest, and George Clooney was the first guest wow. on Colbert's Late Show. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's yeah, you know, he's he's a star. Yep. You know what, though? That's another good story. I think it was like 2009, you know, when we were a pretty small show still, and Colbert was pretty small still, and he came. He did a comic book. I don't know if you remember it, like a few years back. And so he came and just like sort of showed up and signed his comic book and, and did all this stuff. And it was like, it's kind of cool to look back on people like that. And I know that's a celebrity as opposed to an artist per se, but uh, people like that and say like, man, that was cool. Like they came to our show years ago, and I'm sure that's exactly why he has The Tonight Show now. Yes, I think <laughs> yes. It started at New York Comic Con in 2009. Yes, it's the so Reed I figured Pop. he owes me money. Yeah, and that's the Reed Pop circle of trust, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think my geekiest one was last year when I uh, saw Rob LaField just sitting on the curb sketching, and nobody yeah. knew who he was. And I walked over to him like, "Yo, Rob, you know, hey, come on the show." 
Yeah, no return on that email, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, oh, more than seeing Chris Claremont was was Rob Liefeld more no, than meeting Larry Hama. No, there, I mean those are all, but it was more that Rob was just sitting there, no one. I mean, people were just walking right, right, by, right. And then later on, when he was inside at his table, but he the had table has his name down on the it. block. Right. You know, so it was just so great. Well, well, you know, these artists can also enjoy some anonymity because, yeah. like, you can't, you know, a lot of people don't know their faces. So unless you're sitting at a table with your name on it, then you can just ro- roam the earth free. Sit there stretching away. Yeah. So, Lance, you, uh, all of us here at Fanbro Show, we've been to New York Comic Con for a variety of years. Like, I've been there for the last four years. I know Ben Amin, I think he was there for the last three. three. This will be my third. So what we've seen is there's been a major, major push in terms of diversity. Like we've seen a great change in terms of the attendee, the makeups of the attendees in terms of, um, you know, more women, more people of color and not just the attendees themselves, but also the panels and Mm -hmm. everyone involved. So what led to that initiative? Well, there's I think what's interesting is like, first of all, the show itself, meaning meaning the fans, right? Mm -hmm. Like just like New York. I mean, we always say, you know, New York Comic Con is a reflection of the city. Like, it's the most diverse city in the world. And, like, our audience at New York is crazy with diversity. But, you know, age, income, gender, like, race, everything. And it's cool because, again, back to my, my you know, my my moment of, of, of zen and world peace, that it's great that, like, there's this thing that all these people all have in common, right? And it's it's whatever they're into, you know, whatever string of pop culture. Um, and so that's always been there. And I think, like, you've just seen the, then the, like, professional community, meaning, like, you know, the people on the panels, to keep it nice and simple, like, like more and more and more, Great, great work is being done by a wider array of people. And we've just tried really hard to keep up with that and assure that our panels, our content reflects what's happening in the community, the professional community, those artists, writers and creators and and filmmakers. And like that just means trying to be in touch, right, with what's Mm -hmm. going on throughout the community, which is hard because it's big and vibrant, you know. But Mm -hmm. typically if we listen... Um, we get great feedback and we get great suggestions and great ideas that allow us to make sure that what we're putting on those panels, on those stages, is reflective of the entire, you know, creator professional community. So I'd like to think we do okay at it, but I think it can always be better. Right. I got you. And then, right. You know what I mean? You yeah. just have to be deeper into the community and listening and it can always be better, always be better. Right. And, and, I mean, I, I believe you guys always had a policy, but to me, at least last year, it was the most visible. You guys had a really big focus on prevention of sexual harassment at the con. Yeah. And, like, you guys had, I mean, like, these huge poster boards, like, in very visible, highly visible locations. And you guys are very serious. Like, it was a one-time deal. You, If you were caught doing anything like that or reported, you were ejected immediately. See Cosplay ya. is not consent. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like, we, like, we've always had a policy but like you know when's the last time you read a set of policies do you know what i mean like right. like that doesn't really work like it, it has to be a campaign and um it's actually our buddy uh jim uh, demonakis who who runs a show called emerald city comic-con that that we right. actually just bought this year oh, wow. uh, um, he created that sort of cosplay is not consent and then basically said to the con community steal this please like hmm. please you know and and make it your own so we sort of took a lot of the the, the core kind of uh, whatever you know pillars of 
that from from Jim and his team, and then you know hired a local artist, did all of the artwork, and made it like an actual campaign that is going to be right in people's faces. So you don't have to you don't have to click to page fourteen of the rules and regs on the New York Comic Con website to find it. You're going to walk in the door, and it's going to be in your face. And actually, it's going to look cool, and it's going to be really easy to understand. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it blended right well with the overall brand, and like you said, it was more so a campaign. Like you made it clear. So I just feel like there's no way no one could know that because you guys yeah. made it very clear. And how how yeah. how was the overall reaction from congoers? It was really positive, actually, except for anybody that we threw out because they were acting like assholes. Uh-huh. Like they didn't like it as much. But no, it actually we actually don't have did not have to do that a lot. But um, the reaction was great. I think people appreciated the commitment to making it front and center, right? And I think it. I hope. You know, it's hard to say with that many people, but I hope it accomplished the goal of making people feel safer and that we value their safety and respect. Nice. Well, yeah, as you know, Fanbro Show is putting on three big Super Week events. And this is right here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and your partner, Matt, told us that we were helping to define Super Week. So would you agree with him on that statement? No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You know, you know what's cool about Super Week, right, is – it allows us well, it allows us two things. One, like to get out of the Javits Center, which if you were you know, you've been to the Javits Center, you always want to get out of the Javits Center. Oh, hell um <laughs> but out into the city, right? And to spread out and to do more things around all of the boroughs for more people. It also allows us to be like more diverse in our topics, right? You know what I mean? Like we had like Last year we did this great podcast, I'm going to forget who it was with, and, and it was all about sort of hip-hop and DJs. And like I think putting that in the middle of New York Comic Con might be confusing, right? But putting it at a Super Week event, it makes total sense. It sold out. Like it was jammed. Everybody loved it. Like it allows us to do so much more and so much broader because popular culture, man, covers a lot, right? So – I'm coming around to your answer that you want to hear, which is like, yeah, you guys are helping to define it because the beauty of Super Week is we can define it any way we want. Do you know what I mean? There's no constraints where like at New York Comic Con, people expect a certain thing and we have to do that. We push it a little bit here and there and we've done some cool, I kind of think, innovative things with the content. But you expect certain things at a Comic Con. Well, what the hell is Super Week? There's no expectations. It's a blank page. We can do anything we want. So every cool sort of partner like you guys that we find defines it. And that's what I really kind of dig about Super Week. It's also what makes it hard because it is a big, big blank canvas that we've got to kind of define. But it's fun to do it. This is the first year that there's going to be a subway line that goes almost right to the Javits Center. And do you yeah. think that's going to really help bring, you know, people out of the Javits Because one of the things that you, you talked about, yeah, everyone wants to get out of the Javits Center, but it's sort of hard. But now yeah. that there's a subway, you can just jump on the subway and go wherever and then come back, you know. And it, do you, Have you guys factored in, do you think the new subway will, uh, you know, will expand Super Week? Yeah, I think it'll help get people around, without a doubt. We've actually been much more focused on the other end of that, which is uh, thousands of people getting dumped at the corner as trains come in. So you talked about what makes me nervous. That's one thing we've spent a lot of time talking about Mm. is, you know, there's a steady flow of people towards the building. But now that the train's there, it means like, you know, I don't know what a train capacity is, but a couple thousand people every 12 minutes is going to get dumped at that corner. So what do we do with them? How do we get them routed? So, so we've actually, 
uh, I just kind of wrote a note to myself because that's a really good idea. We should really focus, <laughs> like we should really focus on getting people from the Javits to Super Week events. We've been totally preoccupied with what the hell we're going to do with them when they end up on the corner in front of the building. You know, you're, <laughs> you're scaring me, Lance. Yeah. No, we got a plan. We got a plan. Got I was a plan. hoping to be on that train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, we're Don't gonna... worry. We got a plan. It's all good. Don't worry. Most definitely. We're going to take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros Show. Hey, this is Patty LaHell, and when I'm not sleeping my life away, I'm listening to Fan Bros. Welcome back, fan bros. I hope you've been enjoying this amazing interview. We have Lance Finsterman in the house tonight, the big head honcho of Reed Pop. The ringleader. Yes, the ringleader. <laughs> the like ringleader. Like the ringmaster. Yeah, to do with the purple hat and the green jacket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's the hamburglar or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is awesome. The Hamburglar of Reed Pop. <laughs> Thank you for the title of the show. Uh, so, so, so one thing I want to talk to you about, because I actually saw a few uh, major people on talking about on Twitter today. Um, Scott Snyder and Gail Simone had mentioned it. Uh, what is your take on creators that like charge for people to come up uh, for people to sign their sorry charge people to sign their comics or artwork or things like that when attendees have already paid xyz amount of dollars in their ticket lodging travel all that stuff um and let me hear what you got to say first before i tell you what they said yeah i think it's pretty personal choice you know what i mean yeah. like everybody's got their own their own situation and their own uh their own business model like i mean and and everybody's got a right to make a living and and however they do that and the market has a right to say and by the market i mean the fandom to say like no nah, i don't want to pay that or yes they do like I mean, you know, in a perfect world, it would all be free. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. Mm. And so I don't I don't really begrudge a creator saying, you know, I'm here, I'm doing this, you know, you know, is it worth something to you? Then then, you know, is it are you willing to pay something for it? I don't have a problem with that, but I really think it's a personal choice. Mm. And I don't think that it's necessarily our position as a convention to tell those guys what they can or can't do just like i don't tell any given artist you know what they can charge for a sketch it's it's what they they believe their work is worth and what the fandom wants to pay for it so you know i'm kind of sidestepping it i'm saying like i think it's up to that individual artist <laughs> creator writer you know and i don't know that it's our job to really regulate it but i think it's a debate that is not going to go away and it's probably only going to broaden you know yeah, and and just to tell you what they said, it pretty much ex repeated what you just said about that. It's up to the Ooh, particular oh artist. Boy, good. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 also I I know um, I believe Scott had mentioned he said that um, if he can help it, he would rather people not pay for, for him to you know sign their their work. But he prefers when people like donate to a cause maybe that they're championing or something you know maybe a little bit more noble because he says he he does feel like his work has worth but he also feels hey you paid all this money to get here the least I can do is is sign your piece of artwork. Yep, I'm I'm completely agree with that completely. Yeah. Okay, uh, what are your biggest hopes and dreams for the future of NYCC and Super Week besides having Fanbro show as an official partner? Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, get, and getting you to do like an opening night main stage kind of thing. I mean, you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to see that. I want to see this show grow beyond the walls of that convention center. You know, like, and we took out the Hammerstein Ballroom for New York this New York Comic Con this year. So we're going to be doing a bunch of really, really strong programming over there. Um, I want to see Super Week take hold and be in all the boroughs and be known. I want it to be fashion week, right? I want it to be mm, internet week. Right. I want it to be like everybody knows the geeks are in town and they're taking over the city for this week. Wow. I think the they end, know yeah, <laughs> the cosplay. I'll, but like bigger, you know? that. Yeah. And I love the idea of the, the broad range of topics and diversity amongst ideas and people that Super Week can offer us because it takes the blinders off, right? And all over the city, I really dig that idea. And then at the end of this crazy week, boom, it's New York Comic Con, like, and then New York Comic Con itself to really grow outside the building that we start taking over other theaters, we start taking out over hotel ballrooms, and, and you can just wander around. Uh, mm. And even use the subway, as you guys smartly pointed out, yes. uh, to, to just, <laughs> you know, soak in more and more content. Like, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I, I like that New York Fashion Week, like, model yeah. idea. The fact that you can just go anywhere and just experience the world of Comic Con. Yeah, I, that's what I dig. That's kind of the dream. That's awesome. And, and Fanbro's show on that main stage. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Lest that's we forget. Exactly right. You'll yeah. never hear the end of this. Just let you know. Oh, oh, oh no. I'm, I'm, sorry. I, I'm on record now. That's my fault. You know, oh, I, I know oh. how to sidestep landmines, and I have stepped right into one. The, inter- <laughs> the internet is forever. Oh, my God. Am I, am I going to tweet that as soon as you go off the air? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you survived the interview segment. It's now time for the rap segment, our rapid-fire questions. And are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Oh, Ooh, confidence. Good. Love it. All right. All right. Ignorance and confidence go hand in hand. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I made it through life. Hilarious. Okay. The Falcon or War Machine? Falcon. Luke Cage or Black Panther? Black Panther. Quick on the draw. The Wire or Breaking Bad? Oh, Breaking Bad. Ooh, ah, that's yeah. a tough one, man. There go your mentions. <laughs> Damn it. Magneto or Professor X? Magneto. Judge Dredd or Judge Judy? <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a really fascinating question. Uh, I, 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 I think Judge Judy was kind of a badass, so I'm going with Judge Judy. Most definitely. She got is. shooters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what's your favorite comic book adaptation? And I know I butchered that, right? No, you got it. Okay, nice. Adaption? Adaptation. You were right okay. the first time. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's a tough one. I don't know that I'm willing to, to pick. Uh, oh, come on. It's the Fanbro <laughs> show. You got to pick. You could change next week, but you got to pick. <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. I'm passing on that one. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, We're going to give Lance a pass. I'm... We don't let Axel Alonzo pass on this. <laughs> oh. All right. I'm going to come back to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, for World Takeover, would you rather aliens or apes? I think, I think apes, apes, yeah. You feel more confident that they'll at least keep you alive. I think also that like we have lived together, 
you know, we can do this. You know, maybe they would be kinder. <laughs> like, we've lived together. Like, I don't know, alien, like, I don't know even what that could be. Like, that could be just about anything. It might not be pretty. You know what I mean? Like, right. so it's it's a too big of an unknown. We can do this. Right. Lance, Lance, Lance we can do this. We can do this together. <laughs> <laughs> what character death has struck you the worst? And it could be in, like, a book, TV, movie, whatever. Comic book. You you want you want to know? No, that's pretty funny. So like, I've always been a geek. So when I was in high school, I was on the speech team, and uh, I was in 1993. This would have been. I wrote my like speech all about the death of Superman because you remember that was when he died. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Off in '93. So like, uh, that actually was sort of like kind of a big deal because I wrote this speech. I was never good at anything. I was kind of a punk. And so like I wrote this speech and I was good at it. And like I went to the state tournament and I was one of the best speakers in the state all because I wrote this speech about the death of Superman. And you will not be surprised that the moral of my tale was that, you know what, we have to stop looking to superheroes and find the superhero inside of all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Total crap. But like I was finally good at something. So I gotta say that was a, that was like a big deal for me. So. Oh, wicked. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. The big one, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Woo! Come on, like, check it out. We run, I mean, we've been in business with Lucasfilm for seven years now running Star Wars Celebration. So, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. We're, we're really tight with those guys. So, it's definitely, definitely Star Wars. You've got your BB-8 already? Yeah. No, we have one in the office. We did it communally. Okay. That was, that was a safer way to do it. True indeed. Um, the Fresh Prince or the Cosby Show? Fresh Prince. My wife can do the theme song, like, just like that. Cold. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can, but, like, I found a, a nice horse veterinarian, you know, from Westchester County that could do that. That's rare. You should have her come to our crossplay contest dressed as Will Smith. <laughs> for Fresh Prince. <laughs> What's she's your... gonna be happy because she's sitting in the other room, and she's gonna be happy that I was like, "No, no, no, babe, I worked you into this podcast." <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Um, yeah. What was the one? Oh, why can't I think of the title? Uh, Let's explain. Uh, uh, describe it. We'll probably tell you where he was. Uh, where he had the uh, the Highlander, right? No. Uh, no. Come on. Um, what, what was it? Was it supernatural type stuff? What was he doing? It was supernatural. Not Blade. And, ah, yes. Thank you. Blade. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 That was it. All right. I'm, no, go ahead. No, I'm sticking with my answer. Okay, Blade. That'll work. If you could have any one superpower, what would it be? Uh, the ability to appear on podcasts instantaneously, uh, especially if they're based in Brooklyn. That would be it. Uh, If not that, I'd probably go with, I'd probably go with flying only because I sit on airplanes a lot and it'd be really nice to have my own private jet being my body. All right. All right. We got to come back to the other one you try to dodge. You know, because it's sort of tough. I'd probably go, I would probably go with Dark Knight only because, like, that recent reboot has been pretty, pretty amazing. Cool. Uh, but it's tough because, like, there's a, there's a lot of really good stuff out there right now. So, would you rather visit Wakanda or Zamunda? <laughs> Is, uh, <laughs> 
Uh, I'm gonna go with Zamunda. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I All right. love it. All right. All right. Well, you survived the brap segment, and you survived Fan Bros Show. Can you please let the Fan Bros know where they can find you at? <laughs> That was uh, that was that was more intense than I thought. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you came in already, though. You know, you were hyping, then you know, then the questions started popping off. You then you started getting me on the spot with a few things. And I started <laughs> blanking and I, I panicked. And then when we were on break, you were like, "We can." You when you type it so loud, I couldn't. <laughs> cheat, you know what I mean? Like I was I was in a corner. I'm glad I made it out. We love you, Lance, man. Thank you. There's much love for you guys as well. Thanks for having me on. You can find me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at L Fensterman. If you can spell that, congratulations. But uh, <laughs> you can also email me Lance at ReadPop. And if you guys want anything, want to see anything, need anything, don't hesitate. You know, we even if there might be 160,000 of you, we try and keep it personal. Wow, that's that's impressive right there. Real man, yeah. I love it. All right. I love, I really enjoyed this. I'm not joking. I don't always say that. I could just hang up, you know. And, uh, <laughs> this, was, this, was, this was fun. So I got to come out and see you guys at Super Week. Absolutely. Oh, most definitely. Oh, we would please love it. Do. Appreciate yeah, it. Please do. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, we're going to take another break and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros Show. Yo, Chico, have you heard about Fan Bros doing those big events at New York Super Week? Yeah, I heard about that. When is that? October 5th, 6th, and 7th. All three nights? All three nights. All different events? All different events. All live? All live. Tell the people about them. Well, first up on October 5th, we got Attack of the Con, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Then October 6th, it's the Black Girl Nerds versus Fan Bros Live podcast. And on the 7th, it's the Fan Bros present the Crossplay Cosplay Contest. Crossplay Cosplay? That's right. You can find out more about that and the rest of these dope-ass events at NewYorkSuperWeek.com. Con! Welcome back, fan bros. I know you've been enjoying this amazing episode. Big shout-outs to Lance Finsterman for joining us. That was a dope-ass interview. Epic. And, you know, we'll be seeing him next week at all of our Super Week events, as well as all of you. And now, boy, man, it, it got really packed this week. You know, Tatiana called people out That's last week. That's all it took, man. Called them out, and they responded because it's time for the geek when he asked questions. The guac is extra. That's right. <laughs> and first up, Tatiana, what we got? We have Shy Girl Chells from Twitter. She's been asking, or asking us, I have been a fan and an avid listener of show for a little over a near, year now. I even allow my son to listen, and we are geeks. Thank you. He is 11 and wants to get into comic books, but that's not an area of geekdom that I am versed in. So can you guys give me some suggestions that would be good for an 11-year-old Marvel geek and also something that might acknowledge him for being a little black boy? I am appreciative of all suggestions. Oh, well, I mean, uh, first, I'm really glad that you said Marvel Geek, because <laughs> I, when you first asked the question, I have to say, when I saw the email, the first thing was like, yo, there's an 11-year-old who listens to us. And I was, <laughs> That's like, what I was thinking. Like, I was like, yo, woo! that is so, like, oh, my God, we are creating a monster right there. <laughs> so, sorry, Mom, you know, because your son is going to be a revolutionary in some way or other. You know, which is a good thing. Huey but, from the boondocks. Yes, there we go. That's why I love to create little Hueys everywhere I go. But, um, that could, that, no. Stop. Yeah. All right. Anyway, 
Uh, but since you said Marvel Geek, I was really thinking about this question all week, and there's been a lot of comics that came to mind that really I wasn't sure, because 11 is a really weird age, you know, because mm-hmm. you're about to hit puberty, so things, and like I know Chico was reading, and me, at 11, I was reading very leaning towards adult comics. Right. Which I wouldn't recommend to an 11-year-old, you know, because I was also watching Predator and Aliens at 11, which I also went went to recommend. You weren't supposed to be watching it. Uh, My dad took me to uh, Predator. My mom took me to Aliens. Wow. There you go. And my dad took me to RoboCop. So there you go. Um, Yeah, those were all not things I should have seen. Oh, I saw all that. I saw it, but I wasn't allowed. So anyway, you said a Marvel geek and a bunch of books that I would like to. I mean, the first one, especially for 11, because it's safe. And not too, you know, much is Infinity Gauntlet, the recent series from Marvel, because it features an African-American family. It's, I mean, it's just one of my favorite series in a long time. The writing, it's a self-contained world in the series, so you don't need to read anything else to know what's going on. And it's just an amazing book with amazing art. So definitely I would recommend Infinity Gauntlet. There will be a trade of it pretty soon, so you can pick that up. And I'd also like to say, as at 11, like I said, that weird age, as you're getting a little older, maybe 12, 13, I would definitely put them on to Runaways and Young Avengers, especially the Kieran Gillen written uh, Young Avengers, because that's just one of my favorite books ever. And I think especially Young Avengers and Runaways, really, they deal with being a teenager so well and what it means to like grow into your own self and have to become your own person and what that's like, especially... Young Avenger to this more recent, it's so mm-hmm. right on the dot about what it's like to be a teen right now. And if you want, you can actually go to fanbros.com because um, we have a writer that actually is covering the Runaway series right mm. now. And then so she has the full like recap review of it. So if you want to like re- pre-read it before you, your son gets it, totally do that. And I'd also say the, the new Runaways is pretty good, but you got to go back to the original one where it first debuted because that's just a damn classic. Like it's, ooh, that's a good book. So I definitely recommend that. Um, I would definitely say for Marvel, um, it's not new, but the the Black Panther, they've just collected the Christopher Priest Black Panther into one big collection. And 11, it's straightforward superhero stuff with a great black superhero. Uh, I would it's also. Not too adult, right? No, no. no I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I was reading, you know, Avengers and things like that. And yeah. so, you know, it's, it's straight up superhero stuff. Um, there's the new Cyborg series that's coming out from DC. Mm-hmm. And as an independent thing, it came out about 20 years ago, but it's it's perennially, you know, the hardcovers and the collections. Bone, which mm. is like a fantasy cartoon oh. um, type thing. It's like Pogo meets Lord of the Rings. And um, it's it's great for literally anyone who's 9 to 99. Yeah, um, Pogo, Bone is yeah. definitely a classic. Yeah, so, yeah. so those would be my picks. No, and that's definitely a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, any fan bros out there, please leave us a comment. You know, if there's any other answers that you have, because, you know, we want to see more and encourage young readers to get hooked on it. Oh, create those monsters that I love. (laughs) All right. But like I said, we got a lot of questions. We'll get to some more next week. And we also always ask for more at contact at fanbros.com and hit us at fanbros show. But right now from Bison for Life, H-U. You know. They ask, does an artist politics affect your appreciation of their art? Frank Miller comes to mind with the new series that he's putting out, Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. 
fuck Frank. Yo, all right. Uh, <laughs> there's this great uh, internet joke about Frank Miller where these uh, thugs bring him into a warehouse and they're like, you've made it here live, but the only way you can get out of here is if you can write a story that doesn't involve a woman as a prostitute. And Frank Miller's sitting there with the keyboard and he's like, H-O, I mean W-H, W-H, wow. W-H. And then he just horse, 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 horse. <laughs> because that, you know, sorry, but Frank Miller, man, he is a weird dude. And... Wow, I've enjoyed some of his stuff, but lately, hell, no, I, I'm like, I, I, I wasn't even good, I wasn't even gonna mention him or Dark Knight Master Race. That's how little I appreciate him right now. So nah. So yeah, I, I think Frank Miller is like his work sucks. Yeah, it used to be great, and that's not because of his politics. So th- there's a lot of instances where people with bad politics. There was this series Cerberus. And the guy who was writing and drawing Cerberus, he went completely insane. (laughs) And literally, the last few issues of Cerberus are just each page is Cerberus sitting in a chair screaming at the reader for just page after page after page after page. So don't Google him. Don't Google him and women, folks. But but no, my my point is, I don't. I mean, again, like. I have a bigger problem with the fact that Woody Allen hasn't made a great movie in 20 years than whatever he's doing with his stepdaughter or whatever. Hey, hey, match the the one. I, with, no, Vicky Christina, Vicky Christina so Barcelona was, was really dope. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but I'm just saying I don't, I don't, I don't, I I can separate the politics from the work if the person is doing good work. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who their politics go crazy and their work really suffers. True indeed. But there are definitely people who I totally disagree with that their work doesn't suck. And I actually think it's important to keep those things separate. That, that that you know, like, yeah. if you can. I mean, I feel you. Like, I still like Marvin Gaye, even though I know Marvin Gaye is right up there damn near with, you know, R. Kelly in terms nah, of... Nah, he wrote, he wrote the, the, the first 16-year-old Versus R. Kelly was with thirteen-year-olds. There is a difference. Sexual healing to the sixteen-year-old right. in the studio. Right. Well, I, I mean, you, I'm just you, saying that's you. That shouldn't let you, you know, ruin Marvin Gaye. No, for you. I Marvin, still love Marvin Gaye is a treasure. You and, know? and you know, Chico, I I slightly agree and disagree with you. Right. And also, I think all of us, including myself, is hypocritical about what we deem as acceptable. Because, for instance, we were just talking about Terrence Howard a few weeks ago about how he's clearly a woman beater and all this other stuff. Just like how we talk about Bill Cosby and everybody else in the world. But then you you still have at least in Terrence Howard, you still have soft spots for them. Like, you think they're cool, you like their art, you like him as an actor, whatever the case may be. No, no, and no. But Some yeah. people, some people, not, clearly not DJ Ben Hameen, but some people. And and because Chico says himself, he, he can separate the, right. the, the, the bad from, from, from the good. See, the problem is, though, that when it gets too extreme and it starts bleeding into their work, because... As I said, I kind of disagree with you because I, for instance, Azealia Banks is, is is an example. She's an artist to me. She's an amazing artist to me. She has she has an, an incredible talent, all the other stuff. But lately, her her political leanings and the way she 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 comes across to me has severely uh, uh, adversely affected how I feel about her and mm-hmm. thus going forward how I feel about her work. No, it doesn't make her work less good. It's just that I feel like, yo, why are you like you when certain people have very extreme views about things that I 
adamantly disagree with, then it's going to affect how I view the rest of their world. Like, I, I think sometimes it's hard to separate the two, just like how people say they can't separate Bill Cosby from Cliff Huxtable. See, I do. And I have I have said on the show, and I don't think they should have removed the Cosby show from TV. I, don't I think, think so taking either. the Cosby show off the air is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. I think a kid watching the Cosby show or anyone, a family watching the Cosby show, is not an endorsement of raping women. No. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, no, like, that's true. And but, the, but, but on the other side, you're also putting money in his pocket every time it airs. Right, and that's what the catch too, and why right. I say all of us, to me, are all hypocritical about it, but maybe not knowingly, only because it's very hard. Like, right. it's very hard, and no one's perfect. All your faves are problematic, so it's just like, what do you want to do? I mean, like, I still watch Seinfeld, you know, and give Michael Kramer money in. Right. You know, he wanted to hang He wants to stick a-, a fork. No, I believe it was involved putting a no, fork in your ass. No, it also involved <laughs> we used to hang you from trees. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we used to And hang- stick a fork in you. I just the fork thing was really weird. Was, that's the weirdest moment that's in right racism up there with lately. A, no, I, that's right up there with a- uh, Worse than Mel Gibson? Who's the one oh, Who's yeah. the one who said a bunch of- uh, Yo, a pack. A, a, a pack. pack. Oh, that was yeah. Mel Gibson. Oh, yeah. Mel Gibson's going to win. Yeah, well, you haven't heard from him. Yeah. And Frank Miller is a fascist. Right. So, like, you know, in his-, his <laughs> See? That's what I'm saying. No, but that's what I mean. But he kind of went crazy after 9-11. He's he, not he the only worse. person who went, he went crazy. Worse. Right. But if you go back and look at year one and the uh, original I, Dark Knight, it's in there. The Anna, racism year one, oh. is deep in there, boy. Well, year one, I'll stand behind. I mean, dark, mm, yeah, in the read first it again Dark right Knight. Now. Yeah, all right. Read it again right now. Yeah. Um, well, those were really dope questions. And if you have any more questions for the Fan Bros, please hit us up at Fan Bros Show on Twitter. Also, you can hit us at contact at fanbros.com. And we got a lot this week, but we always love more. So keep sending them in. We'll get to some of these next week. We got to get into all the news of the week that's fit to print. And we don't print any of it because we're on the Internet. And someone who won't be on the Internet much longer, I guess she never was because she's a huge super-duper star, is Nicki Minaj. And she is getting a sitcom based on her life on ABC Family. Really? Is it going to be called What's Good? (laughs) What's Good with Nicki? No, What's Good Miley? Uh, lost me there. <laughs> Is that Miley Cyrus from show? MTV when she said, "What's good, Miley?" Remember the whole oh, thing? True, the MTV true, award, the VMAs. What's good? Uh, okay, all right, that's true, true. Mm. Well, <laughs> no, but no. I mean, not feeling it. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> he said true. Anyway, true. Nicki Minaj did a sitcom based on her life that would show her upbringing as a Trinidadian. In uh, in Queens, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I heard that it was a comedy as well. Yeah, definitely. So I I don't know much about it. I I don't know. Yeah, no, no. This is, this is <laughs> like Nikki. You know, it's just her getting them goo gobs money. You know, I'm not gonna expect it to. You, Did you know, call like, goo gobs? Goo gobs money. Oh, you know? goo gobs. Okay. Yeah, goo gobs money. Because I'm not expecting her to like you know do like a blackish where she's like tackling. And I think it might be loosely. Or anything. I, I feel like anytime a celebrity does this, it's always loosely yeah. based on their life. It's never like real stuff. We we could be wrong, but it could be like fresh off the boat though. You know, mm. in a, a different version of that. So you know, it could be interesting. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm just big ups to Nikki for getting that money. And somebody else I got to big up real quick because I've been dissing the living life out of is your boy Trevor Noah, who started on The Daily Show this week. Is that The Daily Show with Trevor Noah now, you know, replacing the Jon Stewart, the great one. And I've been dissing him because I still did not think that uh, whatever his special was was that funny. But I watched, I think it was his first episode where he gave a shout shout out to Jon. And I watched his whole first 15 or so minute intro and... I wasn't mad at it. And, like, I really appreciated the one thing that he said he plans to continue the war on bullshit. 
that John started. Mm. So, so I had to give him that. So so you don't dislike him as much as you thought you did? No, no. I actually found it pretty enjoyable. So, you know, I'm going to – he's definitely going to have to learn his own style because the rhythm is there with John. But it, that's also because the writers, everyone else, nobody left. It's going to take time. Yeah, it's going to well, take time. Well, there's a lot of senior people who actually did leave, but okay. uh, there is a core group that's still there. And there's a new correspondent that a lot of people were actually saying uh, what was like sort of the breakout star. That was the guy he interacted with at the very beginning of the show? Was, I think so, like like yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, he was definitely very funny. Yeah, that, that was, dude yeah. is supposedly that 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 was what the review said was he was the breakout star, mm. and that Trevor, you know, but all these people. I mean, it took Conan O'Brien like a year, and like the reviews of that were so awful when yeah. he first got a show. Fallon, it, yeah, yeah. Ooh. I mean, it takes. I hated it takes Jimmy you Fallon. Through, in the beginning. I, I hated still, that dude. Yeah, there's still something about Jimmy Fallon's need to be liked that actually <laughs> I I, I, find, I find very irksome. But he's very talented, but he has this need to be liked. Hey, Jay but, Leno. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like his format now, though. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. And he can do everything. You know, he can sing, he can mm-hmm. dance, he can tell jokes. But yeah, I think Trevor Noah, you know, might might grow into it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, again, he's this is you know the first time you host a talk show. You know, I had to give him a lot of credit. Right, I've been dissing the hell out of him, and yo, I you know. I'm I mean, the three of us didn't start out as godlike pod- podcasters. No, I don't you know didn't. about you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just looking forward to seeing Jessica Williams more. Yes. Oh, yes, most definitely. <laughs> but I said, oh, yes. Word up. <laughs> um, word life. <laughs> As we say on Fan Bros Show. And you know what time it is. It's time for Comics I Copped. And, man, I have been waiting to talk about this series. I keep forgetting about it every time, you know, this segment comes up. But, man, go out and buy Godzilla in Hell. Ooh, what? Yes, Godzilla in Hell. I think it's a limited series. There's um so far there's been two issues out and each issue so far has been written and drawn by one writer artist. So the writer is doing the art for it. The first issue is by James, I'm going to butcher this, Stoke Stoko. I don't know. I can't help you. I've never heard anybody say my yeah, name. Stoko? I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know him. Stoko. Bob Eggleton, I recognize that dude. Okay, well, Stoko is an artist and writer. He did a book, Orkstain, and um, he's done a few other stuff. He has a really great, amazing Galactus image. His art is kind of like uh, Jeff Darrow or uh, Nick Patera of Manhattan Projects, where it's like super detailed and a lot of stuff going on. But Godzilla and Hell is just a really interesting series because it starts with, you know, the premise of the first issue. You open it up and Godzilla is falling through a hole into hell. And it's silent mostly, you know, with Godzilla facing various things in hell. And it's just dope art. The first issue especially had a really interesting because it seemed like Godzilla's on the plane of lust in hell. And so it's like things that Godzilla was lusting after was trying to kill him. What what was Godzilla lusting after? Nuclear right. power. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, nuclear power at one point tries to get back at him. Uh, people and cities in general. Wait, nuclear to power back at like him. personified? No, like he tries to eat this nuclear power plant, and then out of it comes you know this monster that tries to get him. Oh, uh, Mudo, like the movie. Yeah, and then Godzilla runs into like another version of himself, and I'm thinking you know because Godzilla is normally depicted as a female, so it seems like Godzilla yes. meets the male Godzilla and is lusting after this Godzilla who then turns into this giant demon it's really gross but an awesome battle between them two and then at the end Godzilla falls into another hole and goes off into another realm of hell which the second issue by Bob Eggleton describes so it's a really dope series so far I just love you know the Godzilla in hell like I love that title I mean you can't (laughs) beat a title like that so you know shout outs to them go check it out great book 
I don't can't remember exactly what studio it's from, so I'm not gonna mess it up. But Google it, Godzilla in Hell, you'll find it. Also, the Harvey Award winners were announced this week, and you know, Fanbro's favorite saga wins nice. in Best Book. Yay! Yes, Fiona Staples wins for Best Cover Artist. Nice. Uh, this book, Lumberjanes, which I just recently heard about, I've been meaning to check out, wins for Best Book for Children. I didn't recommend it earlier in the show because I know that it deals like the teenage. It deals with teenagers, and it's very much a like. Is it angsty? Angsty, and from what I understand, there's a lot more sex and whatnot in it than you know I would recommend for an eleven year old. Like MTV Skins type of thing. Yeah, but I mean I've heard nothing but glorious reviews of okay. it because it features like you know trans characters. It features L, you know it features just diversity at its finest. And so Lumberjanes wins for best book for children. I also saw this book, The Valiant. It won like best story. I just read that. I really liked it. It's a book from um, Valiant, the company, and it's mm-hmm. covering like all their heroes. It was telling this story about the new Geomancer. Definitely a good book. And I was surprised to see it because I liked it, but I was like, wow, it wins for best story. So big shout outs to them. But of course, Saga wins. The fifth volume of Saga is out right now. Go get it. Just effing one of the greatest books ever. That's it for Comic Side Cop this week. So it's now time for Tech Talk with Tatiana. In this news, in this news, this week in tech <laughs> news, um, we mentioned earlier about Ever Snowden joining Twitter, and Twitter's actually making a lot of waves today because they damn near scared the entirety of Twitter when it was reported that Twitter plans to go beyond its 140 character limit. Now, what everyone thought that meant was Twitter was going to lift the limit on 140 characters and let people like wild out and do like these long Facebook style diatribes. That's not what's happening. What is actually happening is Twitter is building a product that will allow users to share tweets that are longer than the limit. It's not going to change the fundamental way Twitter works, but it's going to just introduce another method for you to share your content. In addition, what they're saying is, um, they're looking for a way to possibly change the way Twitter measures like your characters. So, for instance, when you're tweeting somebody, you usually have to put their handle. You might put a link. Hopefully, what they're going to do is they're going to make it so that it doesn't count like someone's handle and or just um, it counts the URL as less characters than it's shown. And that way you'll be able to get more in your tweet. Dope. That is dope. Yeah. yeah. I don't see why people would freak out about that. Well, because the way the headlines were written, like right. I first read it on Recode and it read a little sensational to me. They were like... Twitter's going to remove, I mean, they didn't say it verbatim, but they're like, Twitter's going to remove that. And, like, the internet just, like, exploded. Yeah, or the you, Twitter internet exploded. You don't want to be sitting there scrolling through one right. person saying, you yeah. know, that happens on Instagram sometimes. And I, I, even I'm guilty of it. Sorry. But, you know, you don't want to be yeah. sitting there scrolling Listen, through text. I mean, I, I, I'm slightly guilty of it this week because I was promoting fan bros. But and, and let me let y'all know that. Don't do that on IG. <laughs> I, IG is not your book. Like <laughs> Just I, put your picture up. It's worth a thousand words. You, even if you got that big-ass Galaxy Note screen, we don't need all that. No, no, it's 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 not popping. And that was it for the major Twitter news today. Yeah, you know, I got to interject right here because I read uh, Konami will continue to make Metal Gear Solid. So, you know, there was a big thing this past summer that I thought Konami was going down in flames. <laughs> Word. Like, I, I thought so, too. Every, like, shit was that blowing. Shit was, I, I thought the code would never be used again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. Like, like, it was real, like, talk that it was, like, wild just just tragedy over there like if everything was going everything was imploding they were talking about they were not going to make any more triple a games they're not going to do any more after this Hideo Kojima was like peace out like everything was over 
But uh, that's not the case? No, that seems to be not the case. So they say they will continue to make AAA games and Metal Gear Solid. They're like, whatever, boy, you can bounce. We just going to keep running your creation to the dirt. <laughs> we don't need you. We going we going fast and furious this but, joint but my, right here, boy. But my thing is Metal Gear is Hideo. So I know, yo. how do you Well, they had that one game that wasn't made by him. Which one of them? Mm. I can't remember exactly, but not, one of those Not not the one when Raiden was the No, nah, that wasn't that. He made that one. No, nah, that's all him. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but like you say he is such, you know, he's the driving force behind that game. Like when you play it even now, it's like every episode you win, you know, written by him, directed by him. You know, it's like right. this is him. So, we'll see what happens. But I'm just happy because this is really the first Metal Gear game I played and I'm fucking in love with it. So You never played the original, dude? Oh yeah, of course. I'm about to say it was yeah. Psycho Mantis, yeah, yo. Of course, of course. Put your controller on the floor <laughs> yeah. and watch me move it to the left. <laughs> I heard, I see that you've been playing FIFA for 28 days. Oh, that was, oh, God. Oh, shit. <laughs> but nah, nah, definitely, you know, I've been recommending it, but go pick that Metal Gear game up, because that joint is incredible. Word. Well, you know what else is incredible, boy? They're making, I mean, not in a good way, actually. <laughs> But Tatiana, let them know they're making a live American adaptation of Death Note. Yeah, so in the American manga adaptation, they are doing it. This oh, is sure. listen. At first, I was mad happy about this. Okay, for those who don't know what what Death Note is, Death Note is basically about a guy named Light Yagami who befriends a demon named Ryuk. And the demon gives him or shows him a book where as long as he knows the name and the face of the person, he could write their name down in the book and they will die. And there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of mechanics that go into it. So don't don't at me with the well actuallys. I've seen the series a billion <laughs> times. I know what it's about. I'm just trying to paraphrase. But anyway, it's an incredible, incredible series. I've seen the entire thing, all the read all the stuff, watched all the movies, all that other stuff. But yes, they are doing an American adaptation now. Of course, because it's an American adaptation, they have to disappoint us and cast not just an okay. They're casting a white guy. As Light Yagami, the titular role. <laughs> Are they changing his name? I, his name is Light Yagami. Like, how do you? I mean, and my thing is, you can't. I don't understand because all the characters, for the most part, have Japanese names. Light Yagami, Ryuk, uh, uh, the the family, like everyone around, the people that 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 Light kills, and then his and oh. I, See, folks, for everybody who's out there like mad that they didn't do an Akira movie, this is why you should be happy that they're not doing that movie because this is what would happen. So his homegirl is named Misa, like <laughs> Tetsuo. Yeah, played by Tobey Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> his I mean, homegirl. Yeah, Elijah I, Wood. He's gonna play his homegirl. Right. No, I'm saying is Tetsuo. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the only the only person Akira. that you can kind of get away with that is his arch nemesis L. His name is literally the letter L. <laughs> so that's he take an L at the end of all this? Um, <laughs> you got to roll an L to give uh, that away. To watch it. <laughs> I mean, his light, light when he when he when he gets into his into his groove, his name is Kira, K I R A. So, uh, yeah, and you know, for everybody who's always you know telling me about how we don't need to have you know race bending and brown washing, you know, and have characters like. Michael B. Jordan playing Human Torch. This is why we do. Because Hollywood will never stop whitewashing properties. Um, the name of the actor is Nat Wolf. He is... Um, the dude from Fault in Our Stars. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. He's from also Paper Towns that, that came out with Cara... I've, 
Del, how do you say her name? Delavine. Delavine, yes. All right. Well, yeah. We'll see how they butcher that one. And now it's time for the segment I've been waiting all show for. So we're going to keep it real on Chico's Pick of the Week, and uh, we're not doing any yellow washing here. I'm recommending Kung Fu Killer, which is a Hong Kong kung fu movie. Nice. Starring uh, Donnie Yen, who Ooh. is now 51, uh, but he's been for the last 30 years, 25, 30 years, <laughs> making kung fu movies. <laughs> not 51, but, yeah. <laughs> but this one is, well, no, he's 51 now, but yeah. this is dope because it's not just a kung fu movie, but it's also like a whodunit, not a whodunit, but a procedural and so a killer is on the loose, and he's killing all these martial arts masters. Mm. And Donnie Yen plays a martial arts instructor who's in jail. And the cops have to free him, and he has to catch the bad guy, and that's the only way he can get his freedom. So he has, like, you know, he, he's he's on a leash with the cops. But basically, the cops, ha- they, they, can't, they can't catch the martial arts killer without, a, you know, a martial arts superstar. And the fight scenes, it's the fight scenes are fantastic. There's definitely one fight scene on like a hundred foot human skeleton, like in a museum. Wow! Like it definitely go all out, and um, it is interesting. A few weeks ago, we had uh, Jay Smooth and Dart Adams on, and and I recommended the uh, Golden Harvest Run Run Shaw movies that have been running on Netflix. And I uh, having watched a couple of those, and then watching a modern kung fu movie, it is like watching you know Game of Thrones versus watching one of those like you know fifties or sixties sword sword and sandal type movies <laughs> like they just do it really just so much doper and uh, if you like kung fu stuff and cop stuff that's the thing i mean usually i was used to seeing kung fu stuff where you know it, it's all takes place with you know against the manchus or the shaolin yeah. you know and so this is taking it's kung fu now and uh it's dope i mean uh kung fu killer directed by teddy chan starring uh donnie one and donnie is 51 in this yeah Please believe it that Donnie could whip all three of our asses. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Kimson over here to all four of us. The whole loudspeakers (laughs) network at once. (laughs) With no problems. Like, probably not even break a sweat while doing it. He's really dope. Oh, no. He's for real. For real. He's going to be like that guy that slaps everybody. Yeah. They just go in. And we all just going to stand there and take it because I'm not picking a fight with Donnie. F that, yo. I'm leaving that man alone. All right, folks, we're about to wrap this episode up. But before we go, you know we got to let you know because this is the last episode before Super Week. Yes. So head to fanbros.com right now and get your tickets for all of our events. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, but they're so crazy. So much going on. Didn't even mention all the sponsors, all the special guests. Oh, my God. Everything that's going on at these three events, it's going to be groundbreaking probably the best three days of your life if you attend all three we're no like dead ass <laughs> yeah i mean it's amazing what better way to get prepared for comic-con word up and then you know you'll catch us at comic-con we're doing all kind of great things there you know we'll be having a meetup somewhere around there yeah. all kind of things are happening but right now go to fanbros.com get your tickets and get ready 